עם ישראל הם מאמינים, בני מאמינים. I believe with complete faith that the Creator, blessed be His name, is omnipresent and ever guiding. I believe with complete faith that Hashem is one. Good morning and welcome to today's podcast for today, Hey Nisan, Monday. And it is Parshas Tzav. This Shabbos is going to be Shabbos Hagadol. Just want to tell you a quick thing from the Parsha. The very beginning speaks about one of the Karbanas called the Karban Eila and how that was burnt up on the Mizbeach. Speaking of the Mizbeach, the Pasik tells us, Eish Tamid, a constant fire. Tukad ala Mizbeach should burn on the Mizbeach. Loi Sichbe cannot be put out. This was a big nace. This is a clear miracle that the whole world saw how Hashem, the Shechina, is with the Yidin. This fire never went out, not when it was raining, not if it was windy. That fire was always burning on the Mizbeach. Now, there's a lot of things that we can learn from this, but one quick thing to learn is that that's what the Jewish Neshama is. A Yiddish Neshama can never be extinguished. It can never be put out. It's like a flickering flame. It always burns and it shines and it goes upwards. Sometimes, though, it might be cloudy around it. Sometimes it might be raining around it. Sometimes the Yid, who is with that beautiful neshama, might not even realize it. But one thing is for certain, we all have a neshama and it's shining in us. Good day, Talmidim. Today we will begin learning about the highlight of Pesach, the Seder night. In Galus, outside of Eretz Yisrael, we celebrate the Seder night twice. In Eretz Yisrael, we only celebrate it once. One night of uh, one Seder night. We will explain this difference another time. Today, I want to talk to you about the Seder plate. The Seder plate begins with three matzahs. The reason we have three matzahs in the Seder plate is because the first two matzahs are Lecha Mishnah, like a double challah that we have on every Shabbos which reminds us of the man, the double portion of man that Hashem gave us in the desert. And the third piece of matzah is the lechem oini, the bread of suffering and pain of the poor people, specifically for the Seder night. That is the first significance, the first explanation of why we use three matzahs for the Seder plate. There are two more reasons. Reason number two is the three matzahs symbolize the three kinds of Bnei Yisrael, the Kohen, the Levi, and the Yisrael. When the Rebbe, our Nasi, would set up his Seder plate, he would begin by putting in Yisrael, and then the Rebbe would say V'alav, and on top of him, on top of the Yisrael, Halevi, V'alav, and on top of the Levi, Hakoyen. The Rebbe said those words when he 
set up his Seder plate. A third reason why we have three matzahs is matzahs in the Seder plate is to remind us of the three Avais, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So we have three reasons why we use a Seder plate. Reason number one, Lechem Mishnah and Lechem The second reason, Koyen Levi and Yisrael. The third reason, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. On top of the three matzis, we have six items. These six items, together on top of the matzis, together with the three matzis, we call the Seder plate. In Hebrew, it's called the Ka'ara. The six things are as follows. On the top right, we put the zeraya. Zeraya is the neck of a chicken. And what we do is we roast it on fire. And we put it straight onto the Seder plate. Our custom is to use a small piece. And this reminds us of the carbon Pesach that was brought in the times when the Beis HaMikdash was standing. The obvious question is, if the carbon Pesach was bought, brought from a lamb, why do we use the neck of a chicken? And the answer is because we want to make it clear that we are not offering the carbon Pesach. We can only offer the carbon Pesach in the Beis HaMikdash on the Mizbeach. If we're not offering the carbon Pesach in the Beis HaMikdash on the Mizbeach, we are not allowed to offer a carbon Pesach. So in order to make it clear that we're not offering a carbon Pesach and nobody should get the wrong idea, we use specifically the neck of a chicken. Some people are even careful not to touch the chicken bone during the Seder to make sure that nobody gets the wrong idea. And again, we always take a little piece, a small piece. The zuraya is placed on the right side, right top. On the left top, we put the beya, the egg. This represents... The carbon Chagiga. When the Yidin used to go up to Yerushalayim for the Shalash Regalim, Pesach, Sukkot, and Shuas, they would bring several Karbanis. For, kar- for, for the Yantif of Pesach, among the Karbanis they brought were the carbon pe- was the carbon Pesach and a carbon Chagiga, a carbon that was brought for Yantif. The reason why an egg is used here to remind us of the carbon chagiga is to let us is as a sign that we are mourning, we are sad over the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. As we know, or we should never know, but when 
somebody loses a close relative and they come home from the funeral where their close relative was buried, the first thing that the that the person who is mourning, who is sad for the person who passed away, for his close relative, eats is an egg. And the reason why we eat an egg when we're mourning is because an egg is round. And the roundness of the egg tells us about the cycle of life. A full circle. A child is born. A child becomes three years old if it's a boy. He, after eight days, he has a bris. After three years, he has a upsharon. After 13 years, he has a bar mitzvah. And then he grows up to be a bachar. And then he gets married. And then he has children. And then he has marries off his children. And then he has grandchildren. And then he gets older. And then usually the the body gets sick and it's hard to function and then sadly at the end the person passes away so this is the reason why we use an egg to morning because it shows on the cycle of life it's a full circle that is the beya the egg and that is placed on the top left of the kaara under the zuraya is the Haraisas on the right bottom. The Haraisas is a mixture of apples, nuts, and red wine mixed together. And this reminds us of the cement and bricks that the Yidin were forced to make when they were tortured in Mitzrayim. Under the and again, this is the charesis, and it is placed on the right, right below the zaraya, right behind, under the neck, the neck of the chicken. Under the beya, under the egg, is karpas. Karpas is either a small piece of potato or a small piece of onion. This vegetable will be dipped into salt water which reminds us of the tears that the Yidin used, shed in Mitzrayim when they were suffering. If you reverse the Hebrew letters of the word karpas, you have samach parach, which is the gematria. Samach is the gematria of 60. 60 is short for and refers to the 600,000 Jews who were slaves and did parach, back-breaking work in Mitzrayim. Samach, 600,000 Yidin. Parach, who slaved with back-breaking work in Mitzrayim. The karpas, once again, is placed under the beya, under the egg, on the left side. In the middle of those four items... And below those four items is <coughs> the marar <coughs> and the chazeris. The marar and the chazeris 
are two items that are exactly the same. One of them is used for the marar section of the seder. The second one is used for the kairich, for the sandwich during the seder. Marar is the bitter herbs. It's the chrein, which reminds us of the hard and bitter work the Yidin used to, were forced to do by the Egyptians in Mitzrayim. And in both situations, the marar and the chazeres, the marar is wrapped in romaine lettuce. Romaine lettuce is used because romaine lettuce, as it grows and becomes ripe, it's sweet. And then as time becomes more, and then as time goes on, it becomes more and more bitter. The same idea happened with the Yidin and Mitzrayim. In the beginning, Pari was nice to them. He paid them for their work. And then he stopped paying them and he tortured them. So to remember this, we use romaine lettuce. We wrap the marar in the romaine lettuce and the marar is used for the marar section of the seder and the chazeres which is placed in the middle under the charaisis and the karpas is used for the, sa- for the sandwich so again the marar is placed in the middle be- below the zeraya and the beya below the egg and the and the chicken neck, and the chazeres is placed in the middle below the charoises and the carpas. Today's psukim, we're going to be doing parak yod. We're going to be working on the uh, next maka, the maka of chayshach. So please open up your chumash and take a look inside as we begin to learn. And what happens is, Maishu Rabbeinu just begins the Makkah, because Hashem tells him to, without a warning to Parai. We know that the Makkahs were in groups for the most part, two with a warning, then one without. So here we take a look at Pasuk, Chaf, uh, Aleph, as Hashem tells Moshe to stretch out his hand and to begin the Makkah of Chayshech. At the end, I will tell you some Midrashim, but first let's do it together, once me, and then once you repeating it. Vayayim Rashem al Moshe, and Hashem said to Moshe, Stretch out your hand on the Shemayim, on the heaven. And there will be darkness on the land of Mitzrayim. And you will feel the darkness. The darkness was able to be felt. And the darkness will be felt. One more time. And now repeating it after me. Good. And Hashem said to Moshe, Nitei Yadcha. Very good. Stretch out your hand. Ala Shomayim. Very good again on the heavens. Vayihi Chayshech. Very good. There will be darkness. Al Eretz Mitzrayim. Fantastic on the land of Mitzrayim. Vayamesh Chayshech. Yes. The darkness was what? It was felt. You could feel it. As Rashi explains, that it was a very thick darkness. The Midrashim say it was like such a thick fog, but it wasn't a fog. It was just a thick darkness that for somehow you were able to feel it. And during those first three days, the darkness was in Mitzrayim and was very, very heavy. 
and they could feel it. They could move around, but even though daytime was, it was like nighttime. This was Mida Keneged Mida, because the Mitzrim used to make the Yidin hold candles over their heads in the darkness while they were eating supper. And if a Yid had a candle on his head and he moved a little bit, he would get burnt from the wax and the Mitzrim would be beating them up. You know, it was very bad times. So this was Mida Keneged Mida. That was one of the things. Also, the Mitzrim choose, chose to be dark, to, to keep their eyes closed. When we say dark, means they didn't want to see the truth that Hashem is in charge of the world. So here they are in the darkness, as we will see in Pasich of Beis, that the Yidin had light. So, Vayet Maisha. Sorry, that will be in Pasich of Gimel, but let's take a look. So first, Hashem says to do it, and now Maisha does it. Vayet Maisha as Yadai. And Maisha stretched his hand. Allah Shomayim on the heavens. And there was a thick darkness. Afela is a thick darkness. In the land of Mitzrayim, for three days. Again, repeating after me. Yes, and Moshe stretched his hand. Very good. Over the heavens. There was a thick darkness. Good in the land of Mitzrayim. For how many days? For three days. So this is the first half of the Makkah. This next Pasuk is really the second half of the Makkah. First three days it was thick, but the Mitzvah could move around. And in Pasuk Chav Gimel, they could not move around. A person could not see his brother. And a person could not get up from where he was sitting. For three days. And to all of the Bnei Yisrael, there was light in their dwellings. Wherever a Yid lived, there was light. There are different opinions about if the light traveled with them and if it was actually like a light bubble that they were walking around in. Did the Mitzri see that the Yidin had light or not? Different, beautiful Midrashim about it. I'll have to tell you more at a different point, but let's do the Pasuk again. The Mitzrim were in the dark and the Yidin had the light. This part describes the second half of the Makkah, where they could not get up. A man could not see his brother, and they could not get up. A man from where he was sitting, for three days, until the whole B'nai Yisrael, there was light, in their dwellings, wherever the Yidin live. And it is our job to make it light in our homes, and in our surroundings. Please go over the Psukim till you know them well. And if you're ready to go ahead and listen to our Rashi recording, you can do that. Or you can go ahead and call in to the call-in number. And now I will say a Mazel Tov to the winner of the past week's raffle, Shua Suffering, who did his great job learning and he got his points and he won the raffle. This week again we'll have a raffle. So keep on learning and earning your points and doing those great mitzvahs. Hello, we're going to continue with our Chazara on Mishnah Yisoka, Perak Dalit. We're doing a quick Chazara. We're going to do Mishnah Gimel and Dalit today. So as we spoke about, the beginning of the Perak discusses all of the mitzvahs of Sukkot, how many days they can be. And now we go through each one of them and we discuss the details. So Mishnah Gimel, Arava Shiva Ketzad, the mitzvah of Arava can be for seven days. How? 
Yom Shvishal Arava, the seventh day of the mitzvah of Arava, Shechali Yis B'Shabbos, falls out to be on Shabbos, Arava Shiva. Then you would take it, even though it was Shabbos, and then Arava would be for seven days. Ushar Kol but if the Shabbos was any of the other days of Sukkot, Shisha, it would only be for six days because he would not take the Arava on that Shabbos. So again, in summary, the mitzvah of Arava could be for seven days only if the Shabbos, which you might not take the Lulav or the Arava in this case, would be the last day of Sukkot. If the seventh day is Shabbos, you would actually take it because it has a strong power. It was Halacha Lameshem which is like a mitzvah de Araisa. All right. Mitzvah Lulav of Mishnah Dal. This is a longer Mishnah. Tells us about how they would take their Lulav when it was Shabbos, because we already said in Mishnah Beis that you could take the Lulav on Shabbos if it fell out on the first Shabbos of Sukkot. If the first day of Sukkot, rather, was on a Shabbos. So how would they do it? Mitzvah Lulav Ketzad. How was the Mitzvah of Lulav done? Yom Tavarishin Shochag Shechali Shabbos. The first day of Sukkot that fell out to be on a Shabbos. So you cannot carry it on Shabbos still, but you could use the lulav on Shabbos. They would bring their lulavim, the harabayis, to the harabayis on Arab Shabbos. And the shamashim, the people in charge, would receive it from them. And they would organize them on top of the porch or on top of the benches. And they would place all the lulavim down. And the elders... They would put theirs in a closet, so that way they wouldn't have to try to find theirs or get pushed. And they would teach them to say, in other words, the Gaboyim would teach all of the people who were bringing their Lulavim to say the following, Call me anyone who receives my Lulav in his hand. It is his as a gift. The next day, meaning on Shabbos, Mashkimim, they would wake up early, Uvayin, and they would come to the base of Mikdash. Vehachazanim zarkinaisam lifnehem. And these Gaboyim would throw them in front of the crowd. Vehaim mechatvin, and they would grab Umakin ishes chaveroi, and they would hit one each other. The people ended up hitting each other to grab their lulav. Kshiro Bezdin. When the Bezdin saw, Shuboli de Sakana, that it was becoming dangerous. Hiskinu, they decreed, that it should be. Each person should take the lulav in their house. Look at that. When the Bezdin sees that it's a Sakana, it's okay to do things in your house. And that is Ashkechapratis. Right now we're all staying safe and we're staying at home, but that's okay so that we will be safe. Have a great, safe day. So a short story I wanted to add. Yudalof Nissen, of course, we all know is the Rebbe's birthday and it's coming up. Pesach is coming up and let's talk a little bit about this beautiful story. The Rebbe used to visit some of the Sudarim that were held in Crown Heights for groups of people, for young people like single Bachrim or girls that were not yet married and that were in yeshivas or seminaries, and they couldn't go home because, let's say, they were Bali Tshuva, and they had just become from, or they were from Iran, and they had come to America to be in a safe place, or they were guests from out of the country. And different years, the Rebbe would stop in different places. Well, one of the years, the Rebbe stopped in a school called Mechon Chana, 
which was a girls' seminary, and it was for girls that were becoming from, and like I said, their families weren't yet from, so it was hard for them to go back home for Pesach. So they stayed, and they had a group seder in their house, and they had a rabbi who came to lead the seder. That rabbi was Rabbi Feller, and he came from Minnesota, and he led the seder for all the girls, together with his family, and sure enough, like I said, after davening Meirav on that night of the Seder, the Rebbe came to visit different Siddharam, and this was one of the Siddharam that they came to. Well, when the Rebbe came to the Seder, the Rebbe walked in and he looked around, and then uh, he said a few things to Rabbi Feller, and then he saw Rabbi Feller's son, whose name was Mendel, who was just a young boy, and he said to Mendel in Yiddish, do you know the four questions? you know, the, the Manishtana? And at first he was so so startled that the Rebbe was talking to him, like he caught him off guard. But when the Rebbe asked him again, he finally like smiled that he knew them. And then the Rebbe turned to his father and he said to Rabbi Feller, and do you know the answers? And they smiled and everyone laughed. It was like, they thought the Rebbe was like making a joke like to the father. Do you know the answers to the questions? Well, the Rebbe smiled, and the Rebbe finished the visit, and that was that. The next day, Rabbi Feller was in 770 on Pesach, and he got a message to come up quickly to the Rebbe's office. And the Rebbe had a message for him. The Rebbe said to him, Yesterday, when I visited the Seder, and I said, This is for the answers, I wasn't joking, actually. When I asked you if you know the answer to your son's question, it was because I believe the Rebbe was saying, and I'm using my own words, I don't remember the exact words of the Rebbe, but the Rebbe said how when a child is asking the four questions, he's asking it for real, and you have to have a real answer. His question is, why are we doing Pesach again? Why are we having a Seder again? And by a child, there's no jokes, there's no tricks. They want the honest truth. So what's the answer? Do you know the answer? That was what the Rebbe was telling him. So Rabbi Feller said, uh, I, I assume that the Rebbe means I should tell him like what we say when we talk about going out of Mitzrayim every day, that every day you have to go out of Mitzrayim again because every day we have to grow in our Yiddishkeit, go higher and higher. And the Rebbe said yes. And it was Rabbi Feller's birthday also, so he asked the Rebbe for a bracha. But that story became a very memorable moment for both Rabbi Feller and for his son. And I wanted to share that because we have to see that Pesach is a time for asking great questions and getting great answers. And the rabbi says that the children, they really mean it when they ask their questions. So when we have our Seder this year, let's make sure to ask our questions and listen for the answers.